We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Patton. Jason, we're talking about the 30 and 36 Chicago Bulls. It seems like with every loss, I'm ready to write off this season, say, well, it's over. Let's cross our fingers and pray for lottery luck when this thing's finally over. And then you look at the standings, Jason, and even after the Bulls got smacked in the fourth quarter by the Suns, even after Tyrese Halliburton ripped their hearts out with a ridiculously deep pull-up three at the buzzer to give the Pacers a win over the Bulls on Sunday night, uh, and then the Bulls come back and somehow beat the Denver Nuggets in Denver, one of the most impressive wins of the season. The Nuggets were 30-4. and four. At home, coming into that game, the Bulls give them their fifth loss of the year. Even after all that, Jace, you pull up the standings right now, and the Bulls are one game back of the Washington Wizards for the 10th and final spot in the Eastern Conference play-in tournament. Yes, this is the most pathetic goal in all of basketball, (laughs) trying to be the 10th seed in the East to qualify for the play-in tournament. But I think what we've seen from the Bulls this last week, Jason, is really what we've seen from the Bulls all year, which is this is a team who can beat anyone when they play their best and who can lose to anyone when they play their worst. And with a looming matchup against the biggest clown show in the league, the Houston Rockets, coming in the Bulls next game on Saturday, I think nothing could be more fitting than for this team to win in Denver and then to lose in Houston. Uh, but you know, it's been the story of the season all year that the Bulls have been able to beat good teams this year after they were unable to do it last year, and they have consistently fallen to some pretty bad teams. I think the loss to the Pacers qualifies as such. The Pacers were playing at a pretty high level before Halliburton got hurt, but they've sort of uh, been falling down the standings ever since, uh, even with Halliburton back in the lineup now. Uh, so the Bulls 30 and 36. 
they're not a very good team, Jason, but there are what like five weeks left in the season, I think. I think we're like a month. We're like exactly a month away, I think, from the end of the season. One month away, four weeks from the season. And the Bulls still have a lot to play for. So credit the NBA for coming up (laughs) with this playing tournament because without it, there would be no hope for the Bulls or a lot of other fan bases. And instead, the league has accomplished what it was seeking to accomplish with the playing tournament, which is to deter tanking. Because at the end of the day, every owner in the league wants that extra game or two of play-in or playoff revenue. And it is a nice little gift, uh, you know, for the teams that aren't good, but also don't (laughs) want to lose on purpose and tank because losing on purpose and tanking, that sucks for fans. So, uh, Jace, kind of a kind of a wild week for the Bulls. We got some news updates we'll hit, too, but a lot of fun games this week. Yeah, so like even we we didn't even mention the Pistons game last week. We made a joke. I mean, we make a joke about them playing the Rockets. The Pistons, a team that is tanking and that is terrible. Uh, the the last that was the first game that uh, happened after our last recording when after the Bulls lost the Raptors. And that game, it looked like the Bulls were cruising to an easy win over the terrible Detroit Pistons, up twenty one late in the third quarter. They almost lost that fucking game. They gave that they gave that lead up, and the Pistons tied the game, had a, and had chances to take the lead multiple occasions uh, late. Uh, they were not able to do it. And then, of course, uh, rookie Jay Nivey had that Chris Webber moment on Chris Webber's birthday, I believe, uh, where he called the timeout that they did not have, and the Bulls won the game. Uh, then, of course, after that, the Bulls went out and got absolutely – actually, they played decently well for that Suns game. I was at that Suns game. Uh, on fr- last Friday night at the United Center. It was a f- fun game. Cool to see KD, who is now injured, unfortunately. Hopefully he's not out after a freak ankle injury. But um, Suns came out and kind of looked like they were going to blow the Bulls out. And the Bulls came back and were leading at halftime. But the second half, the Suns, Devin Booker was awesome. KD was just uh, killer efficient. CP3 finally started hitting some shots. Uh, just a, a well-oiled machine when those guys are all healthy. And the Bulls end up losing by like 21 points. Um, and then that, yeah, and then that Pacers game, and like every Bulls Pacers game this year has been absolutely insane. Uh, the Bulls blown multiple leads in Indiana. I think multiple twenty point leads they blew in Indiana. And then, and then this game, the Pacers were the better team for much of the game, but then the Bulls kind of reeled them in, and it seemed like they were going to pull out a big win behind Zach Levine. And then Halliburton shot over Patrick Beverly, and he was talking some shit on Twitter uh, afterwards, some good tr- good natured trolling after that like thirty footer in Beverly's eye. This is like, yeah, just like a perfect microcosm, like a game at home, like against a team that's below you in the standings. Like they're, the Pacers are fine. Halliburton is awesome, and he had a huge game. Like they have some fun young players. Miles Turner's pretty good. They have Buddy Heald. Uh, but it's still a game. Like if you're serious, like you shouldn't be losing that game, and they lose it in heartbreaking fashion. And it's like, well, now they're going to Denver. Like they're fucked. They're gonna be. They're gonna go down to 29 and 37 and be eight games under 500. And like that's probably it for this season. And then last time, like, just, like, totally changes, like, their outlook on the play-in tournament. Because first, the terrible Wizards, who are a joke as well. I mean, the fact that the Bulls and Wizards right now are, like, the teams fighting for 10. The Raptors are, have fallen back a little bit lately, too. But Bulls and R- the Wizards, like, deserve this fight for the 10 seed uh, because they're just both kind of huge jokes. And they both have, like, they both have really good shooting guards who, like, probably aren't quite superstars but are have, like, max contracts. They both have European centers with... Porzingis and Vooch, uh, 
And then you got Kuz and Demar. Not obviously Demar is better than Kuz, but Kuz is pretty good. So like similar teams, teams that are just like have these big name players, but just aren't any good. And the Wizards blow a 15 point lead against the Hawks last night, giving the Bulls kind of an opening. And then the Bulls come out and play one of their best games of the season against De- in Denver. I think they won in Denver last year too. So I think they've won their two years in a row now. Um, after like the Nuggets came out, this game seemed like the Nuggets came out. They hit the bulls in the mouth. They went up 10 points in the first, whatever, like four minutes of the game. And then it seemed like from there, they just thought that they could cruise to a victory. The bulls came back, had a close, and then just kind of turned on the jets while the nuggets just like fell apart. A total malaise, probably one of the worst nuggets games of the season for them. One of Nikola Jokic's worst games of his season, because he had some streak. I think of like 50 some games. I saw of him shooting over 50% for the field. He was terrible. He was bad. Like he still, I think put up close to a triple double, but just like nowhere near, a normal Jokic like dominant performance and like Michael Porter Jr. wasn't good. Jamal Murray wasn't good. Jamal Murray, I think, came in and needed like two threes to become, I think, the Nuggets like all time three, leading three point shooter. And he was like tweeting about it before the game. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's like today's the day. And then he hit one three. He was like one of seven. And he came on after the game it was like today was not the day. <laughs> and like the Nuggets just stunk it up. The Bulls played really well, though. They had a good game plan. They attacked the paint. They scored almost 70 points in the paint. And that's what when people like whatever want to rip on Jokic and like the Nuggets and like think they're frauds and everything. That's like how you're going to do it. You're going to attack the pick and roll. You're going to attack Jokic's defense. And the Jokic, I think, is better defender than people give credit for. But like Zach attacked in the paint. He was nine of nine at the rim. The Bulls, again, scored almost 70 points in the paint. And the Nuggets had just like no resistance there. Uh, the Bulls pushed the pace. I think they had almost 20 fast break points, like a very good game plan by the Bulls. A terrible performance by the Nuggets. And just like a game, like a classic March NBA game. The Nuggets are like seven games up on the uh with the one seed right now. They, they can coast the rest of the regular season if they really want to. It's obviously pretty dangerous to do that. And you see the dangers of that losing an ugly game like they did last night. Uh they'll have to ramp it back up. They don't want to go in the playoffs just kind of coasting. But a game where the Bulls, every once in a while, we see the Bulls play like this. They have some talented guys. And when Zach has a great game and Vooch outplayed Jokic and Patrick Williams was awesome off the bench, shooting eight of nine, uh, and they play with force and then everything comes together and the other team just kind of sucks. Like we have these games and we've seen the Bulls beat some good teams this season. They haven't actually beaten a good team like for, in a while until this game last night. Like that, they had that stretch earlier in the year where they had a stretch where they were beating like the Bucks multiple times and they beat the Nets with Katie and Kyrie Stone. They beat the Celtics twice. They had not won like a really good game in a while until last night. And, uh, but they played really well. The Nuggets stunk. Does it mean anything? Probably not. Because again, as you mentioned, like this is what we've seen the Bulls be all year. They play, they sometimes have these games where they look awesome, but then other times they go and they play shitty teams. And it was hilarious how. As this, as the Bulls are blowing out the Nuggets last night, everyone on Twitter is like, they're going to lose to the Rockets on Saturday, and I don't think they're actually going to lose to the Rockets again. I, I, I'll say that right now, and they'll fucking do it. But like, so many Bulls fans are just conditioned now to think after this big performance, they're going to come out and lay a huge stinker in Houston, and losing to the Rockets again would be truly embarrassing and pathetic because the Rockets are just a huge joke. They have no like, they just have like no discipline. They're awful defensively, awful. I mean, there's a bad team. They have, what, 14 or 15 wins. But, again, the Bulls almost gave up a 21-point lead against the Detroit Pistons, who have basically the same record as the Rockets. So, anything could happen. I don't think any any outcome would surprise me. Like, they could either easily go into Houston and just blow their ass up because the Rockets suck. Or they could go in and lay an egg and lose, and it'd be hilarious. And even as a Bulls fan, I'm at this point now with the Bulls being 30 and 36, even on the, whatever, precipice of the playing tournament the season's a wash we know they're not actually gonna win like anything meaningful uh if you're like rooting for patrick beverly to jump on 
whatever the side and get, go crazy during a play-in tournament win. Fine, if that gets you going, sure. Want to see Bulls fans be happy, but it would be absolutely hilarious. And I'm kind of secretly, not secretly, I'm saying it right now, rooting for the Bulls to lose to the Rockets because it'd be hilarious. And I'm rooting for hilarious outcomes. I'm just trying to be entertained by the rest of the season uh, and see what happens. So, yeah, a week that just, as you kind of said, the sum, long story short, after this huge rant, rambling I'm going on, a week that just kind of is a full microcosm of their season, including with right now the fact that Lonzo Ball is now probably going to need a third surgery, which you hinted at that news, heard that news today. We'll talk about it in a little bit here, that he probably needs a third surgery and his career might be over. Um, this is, so yeah, a crazy week of Bulls basketball that just kind of sums up their whole season. Yeah, another horribly depressing Lonzo Ball update. Perhaps the most depressing Lonzo Ball update ever. Yeah. That he's going to need a third surgery to keep him out six months. All right, I'm not going to get into that yet, but Jesus yep. Christ. When I saw that this morning. Unbelievable. Like, I got the, I have Woj on text alert, so it yep. just said Chicago Bulls guard L, and then it cut off, and I'm like, <laughs> no. did Lonzo, like, die? Did we, like, did his leg <laughs> fall off? Did he get amputated? I mean, like, close enough? <laughs> At this point, it's ridiculous. You just um, hope he can live a normal life at this point because the idea of him regaining his top form before the injury just seems like a million to one chance at this point. Anyways, we'll get into that in a second. One thing I wanted to bring up, Jason, is yeah. the win against the uh, Nuggets and the loss against uh, what's becoming a very bad Pacers team is just so funny because the Bulls, by point differential, which is supposed to be, you know, the true metric of how good you are. The Bulls point differential is plus 0.6. If you sort every team in the league by point differential, the Bulls are the 15th best team in the NBA. Perfect. That seems pretty solid, considering they haven't had Lonzo the entire year. They're perfectly Yet, good. if you sort by winning percentage, the Bulls are <laughs> the 24th best team out of 30. Uh... So it's just been the type of year that drives you mad as a fan. And uh, our buddy Kevin Farrigan sent me a text yesterday that like this bowl season is like especially designed to drive fans to psychosis because they're beating the good teams. They're losing to the bad teams. They're losing every close game and they're just messing up everything on the margins. So, you know, I think like if you would have told us at the beginning of the season, as I pull up the bull stat page right now, that this team a couple days ago would be fifth in defensive rating and Lonzo Ball wouldn't play a game the entire season. Right now, after the Nuggets win, basketball reference has them at seventh. Uh, basketball reference and NBA.com do calculate offensive and defensive ratings slightly differently. So I don't know what NBA.com will say, but on basketball reference, they're seventh. Uh, the Bulls have been around the top five for, you know, basically the last month or so. If you would have told us that beginning of the season, the Bulls will have a top five defense or the number seven defense comfortably in the I mean, top, top 10 five. in general. If you just a top 10 defense, like you would think they'd be much better. Yeah. You would have thought that this team would be, ah, they'll probably be fifth in the East. But instead, the offense has been so bad. Their ability to execute in close games has been putrid. Uh, and it's just the type of the type of season where you kind of just want to throw your hands up and say, fuck this season, fuck this team. Let's make some moves in the offseason and try to get them next year. But I have said this a few times on the podcast. I don't know if the listeners agree with me on this one. I actually do 
like this team, like the construction of this team, I don't want to like hate them. Like I hated the Bulls when Jim I think, Boyle I feel like the construction construction's the wrong word because the roster construction stinks. I think you just mean like yeah. the guys on the team. The guys on the team. Yeah. yeah. Like I want to be able to talk myself into these guys. I want to like DeMar. A lot of fans hate Zach because they think Zach's wildly overpaid. Well, I don't know, guys. We've seen since the All-Star break, Zach Levine's pretty fucking good. Uh, Caruso, so much fun to root for. He's basically a superhero. We love having Io on the team. Patrick Williams, I don't see Patrick Williams and think draft bust. I see Patrick Williams and think, come on, Pat, let's get a little bit better. <laughs> Can you give me one month where he averages 15 points a game? Just one month, Pat, 15 points. And he was amazing against the Nuggets. Yep. Uh, he only missed one shot. I think he was eight and nine from the field. Yep. Uh, he had 18 points in that game. And everything was around the rim for Patter. A lot of it was around the rim for Yeah, Patter. around the basket. It was all like, a lot of inside stuff. Finishing, jumping off two feet. I always say Pat is a great leaper off two feet. He's a very poor leaper off one foot. And I think that that sort of limits him off drives. So I want to like this team. But given the reality that Lonzo Ball ain't walking through that door, <laughs> as Rick Pitino would say, it just seems like they're going to have to break up the the quote-unquote big three because Lonzo was like the skeleton key that could make that work. And without him, the team's not that good. Now, that might seem weird to you, but please realize, like, the Grizzlies aren't that good without Steven Adams. Uh, last year, the Nets weren't that good without Joe Harris. Like, a really good fourth-best player or fifth-best player is still a super valuable component to the team. Uh, Especially on this team, the way the roster is constructed, constructed because the way he does just, like, fill in the gaps where they desperately need him the most in terms of three-point shooting and the whatever, passing, organizing offense. And then, obviously, he's great defensively as well. The three-point shooting is huge. And when you talk about just whatever, breaking up the team, and I was after the Pacers game, I was tweeting about it. And just, like, and just like every game you look at, the, whatever, you look at the three-point shooting, and we've hammered this stuff home, just obviously ad nauseum. But every game, it's like the Bulls are shooting 50% from the field. Like, they're shooting, like, 60% on two-pointers. And then you look at the three-point differences between both teams, and it's like, the other team shoots like twice as many threes. And that was the case in the Suns game. The Bulls, DeMar is just putting on like a mid-range, uh, just mid-range maestro, just killing the Suns in mid- mid-range. But then Devin Booker's coming down. He has he had like six or seven threes. Tora, what is it? Josh Akogi hit like six or seven threes that game. The Suns took 44 three-pointers that game. The Bulls took 22. So like the Bulls can shoot 50-some percent. But even if the other team doesn't shoot that, but they whatever, double you up from the three-point line, that's what's going to happen. And it happened against the Pacers. It just... It's a math problem every night. Obviously, they beat the Nuggets yesterday despite getting outscored from three. I think the Bulls were like eight of twenty-three. Like they didn't take a lot of threes, but they shot ridiculous in the paint or in the on twos. And the Nuggets were just bad overall. I think the Nuggets barely shot forty percent. So like, but there's just always a math problem every night with the way the team is built. Um, And if like the other team hits at least a decent, a reasonable amount of threes, the Bulls have to play like perfect offensively to to win these games. And then we see them just fall apart in crunch time so often. So, so yeah, like it just it's just hard to see with Lonzo, especially just looking totally cooked. You can't, you just can't do like the same thing again next year and expect really anything different. Even even like maybe you expect the clutch luck to maybe come back around a little bit, but if you get another point guard in there, you get some more help. But I don't, you just can't invest that much more on this core, long like big time money with Demar and Vooch and. 
I've come around and with Zach, you talk about Zach's been playing really well. I mean, just look at let's look at some Zach stats here real quick, just moving forward. Because again, yeah, you talk about how a lot of fans hate Zach. There were the Zach rumors at the trade deadline. Uh, we've thought maybe they they'll look to trade Zach in the offseason, but like Zach seems to be fully back to himself, uh, his his pre-injury self, pre-surgery self in February. He averaged 25.5 points a game. He shot 52% overall. He was only at 34.7% from three, but we saw just the attacking, finishing. He averaged set over seven free throws a game. That was up, I believe. Or he's, he was at seven free throws before that, too. But before earlier in the season, he was not attacking as much. He was not getting to the line. And now the last couple of months, he's up to seven, eight free throws a game. And now this month so far in March, we're looking at four games. 57% from the field, 55% from three, 35 points per game, two 40-point games. Uh, so he's just fully back. And and the guy that they paid two hundred fifteen million dollars. I mean, that's if Zach is going to be scoring, he's not going to shoot fifty seven percent or whatever over a full season. But this level of Zach Levine is the guy that they paid. We know Zach's got his flaws. He still has his, his late game meltdowns. Um, but he's a really one of the best scorers and most explosive scorers in the NBA when he's going well. And he's going well right now. So, like, I think there's a reasonable kind of path forward if you don't want to just totally blow it up, where maybe you keep Zach. You'll move on from the veteran guys and you try to whatever, Zach, Pat, younger, maybe you bring Kobe back, bring Io back, you bring these younger guys, maybe you try to get another point guard in here, and maybe try to build forward there. Whether Zach actually wants to do that, obviously that's a whole other thing. Like maybe if they trade, if they move on from Vooch and Damar, like he just S out and you do do a full rebuild. But uh so that is kind of just like an interesting spot there. Like if they like I said, if they do move on from those older guys, does Zach want to stay? I don't know. Um, there should be a market, especially with the way he's playing right now. Teams should want to get him. So there should be a, a pretty robust trade market, I would think, if he did hit the market. But I'd be fine keeping him around because if he's going to play like this and this is his prime and you try to just flip to more of a younger core moving forward that focuses more on Zach and shooting, you obviously would need some de- keep some defenders around and a better another point guard in here, another center, obviously, and see kind of where that goes. Maybe you go that route So. Ricky, I'll, I'll flow, throw this back to you on just kind of where you think, where your head at is, where with with what the changes they should do, assuming yeah. the season continue. I mean, there's no way this season is going to like somehow flip around. Even if they whatever, even if they get in the play in and make it through the play in, they're going to get stamped out by the Bucks or the Celtics, whoever they play in the first round. That's just it's inevitable unless there's just awful injuries for those other teams. So like, we're probably going into the off season with a team that's around 500, a little below 500. Maybe they make the playoffs and a first round exit. So it's just like where you go then from there well a couple things on zach you mentioned last night he was nine of nine or whatever at the rim yeah do you know what he shot from mid-range in that game he was oh for four and then i think he went two for five or no three three for five all his baskets were rim three pointer all his makes jason that's how he's got to play right the bulls already take way too many mid-range shots which is just what's going to happen when you got damar on the team Zach has to be fully optimized Mori ball. And I don't know if Zach wants to play like that necessarily because Zach models his game after Kobe Bryant and Kobe Bryant was a pretty inefficient high volume scorer for someone who scored so many points in the NBA, but Zach's got to be ripping catch and shoot threes. I'm fine with him taking pull up threes. Just my opinion. There's no such thing as a bad three for Zach Levine. I think he's one of the 10 best shooters in the NBA let him fucking rip threes because this team doesn't take enough threes. Zach is literally their only good <laughs> shooter. So let him shoot. Uh, 
And I, I just wish like they could get him to buy into that or they could like get Billy Donovan to realize that's what his role needs to be too. Donovan has made some comments throughout the year where it seems like he gets it. Yeah. But, like he said it. Done. He said, Oh, he should take 10 to 15 threes a game. He said that and after that one game. It. Yeah. yeah. Do like, it. <laughs> he, he's got to do it. The offense has to be less your turn, my turn with Tamar and Zach and more using Zach. Like he's Kyle Korver or Reggie Miller or Clay Thompson and really leveraging his ability to rip threes uh, from basically anywhere on the court. Even Patrick Beverly is telling him to do it, I'm pretty sure. He's just like, Zach, shoot the fucking ball, man. <laughs> Go right, do it. Said, Zach, it's not your job to pass. Which <laughs> You got to think every scorer in the NBA loves to hear that. Uh, I pulled up Zach's EPM numbers. That's uh, via a website called dunksandthrees.com. It's sort of an all-in-one number that measures offense, defense, and total production on a percentile basis. Okay, so Zach's offense is in the 91st percentile. Zach's defense is in the 70th percentile. It's plus 0.4. Zach Levine, positive defender. I do think he's been a little bit better defensively this year. Now, you could also tie that back to the team's success defensively. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but you know what? Just the fact that the team has been good defensively. Um, I think Zach's gotten a little better, especially after his teammates chewed him out following that Minnesota game. And in general, Zach's a plus three player, 91st percentile. So around the trade deadline, when everyone was so down on Zach, I tweeted, like, I'd keep Zach because his value is so low right now. Well, after the way he's closing this season, I don't know if anyone's really noticing it, though, because, like, the bulls suck. (laughs) You know, it's just, like, very easy and convenient to just forget the bulls exist and not really notice what's happening with them right now. But Zach's been playing real good ball lately. I wonder if the bulls will get like, here's three legit unprotected first round picks for Zach. You got to get what the Spurs got for DeJounte Murray. Elliot. I mean, I feel like pre Zach is better, better. I know DeJounte is a pretty good defensive player and like offensively he's not bad, but I feel like you need, yeah, you need at least that, but probably more at this point. Right? I don't know. (laughs) We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. So the thing with Zach is that he just hasn't improved on his flaws like ever. Like dating back to when I used to watch him at UCLA and I wrote, you know, a big column about Zach when he was at the draft combine coming out of UCLA. He's always had the same flaws is that he's not really good at reading the defense. He turns the ball over too much. He's strangely really bad in crunch time. Like almost year over year, he's really bad. He had like one or two decent seasons in crunch time, but otherwise the the decision-making is, is the big, the crunch time decision-making is just like the big thing. One of the biggest things probably holding him back from like really being like another tier up like star player. But what Zach is, is an awesome number two score. If he's yeah. your second best scorer, or even your second best player. Yeah, and your so best he doesn't scorer. have to, like, he could be, like, whatever, your number one scorer. If you have, like, a stud two-way guy, that's, playmaker. like, the best player. Yeah. Yeah, a better playmaker. Uh, but Zach's been good. You know what's kind of remarkable is how Zach did play his way into being healthy this season. I didn't think it was going to be able to happen and maybe this will be a good transition into Lonzo yeah but like when Zach started the season he was sitting back to backs at first we were all freaking out about did Zach miss the first game of the season or the second game of the season I think it was the first game we were all like what the hell is this and it was really strange uh but credit I sort of credit the Bulls with how they handled him because he was not himself physically. Yeah, clearly. The first two months, October and November, he wasn't very good. And then in December, he started cooking. And he's basically been cooking ever since. Yeah. He did have the hand injury, which made his three-point percentage fall off a little bit. This hasn't been his best year shooting by the numbers. But, like, I don't know. When Zach shoots the ball, I still think it's going in <laughs> all the time. And really, like, without that hand injury, his numbers, I think, would look better. Yeah, year. I mean, right now he's... from the field, 38.4% from three. That's basically right around last season's numbers. What's he shooting from the foul line? It's like 85% probably. Yeah, that's right right around his career. Basically, the last three seasons, he's been right at around 85%. So, Zach, and the other thing about Zach, (laughs) I remember when the uh, Sixers traded Drew because the thought was Drew Holiday's too good that we won't be able to lose games with Drew Holiday's our best player. If the Bulls do want to tank down, you know for a fact Zach Levine is not going to be able to like single-handedly drag the team to wins because he hasn't done it, you know, for like five seasons now. Right. So like occasionally like he'll have his like that game against the Hornets he had where he scored like a million points in the last minute. Like occasionally he'll have those explosions at the end of games where he just like makes all his threes. But like consistently on a consistent basis, yeah, like it's not going to happen. So like they could maybe do like a stealth. I mean, they've kind of stealth tank this year, but another stealth tank if they just go Zach and young guys. Again, the question is then, is Zach going to be happy with that? Is he fine just being the man on a, on a team that's like kind of rebuild? If it's around him, maybe. I have no idea. Or would he want to go somewhere else and actually like play for a championship? Yeah, well, he's also, it's like, who else is going to be really willing to pay him that much money? Like, Will teams view him as a negative asset on that contract? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would have said, I would have said them. I think the Mavs, you have to look at just it, it, in case what happens with Kyrie. Uh, you would say, they like, already if they traded their 27 pick, though. That is so true. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I guess, I guess they really didn't have nothing to trade then with what they gave up for Kyrie. The Knicks, I mean, the Knicks have come on really strong. Like, would they be willing? Like, if you're trading Zach to the Knicks, like, you probably need quickly back. They all fucking love quickly, and he's been awesome. Uh, I don't know if they would do like quickly and whatever multiple picks. If, uh, I, 
something tells me like probably not. I don't know. Like quickly has been awesome for them and them giving up quickly plus a lot of draft capital. I don't know. Could depend to see uh, what happens in the playoffs if the Nick if they flame out. Maybe they would maybe come to the table uh, with the with a bigger offer. I don't know. So who knows? We'll see. Still a lot of time to see on that. For let's let's transition. Let's transition to Lonzo. Or do you have anything else on Zach before we transition to Lonzo? I don't want to let you. I got nothing else on Zach, but All Pat. Right. I just Pat? want more Pat. Yeah. I don't even need to go deep into it, but like, give me all the Pat. He's been better off the bench a lot in the last few games, shooting percentage wise. He still, he still does not rebound. He still, like, his defense has been solid this year. It's imp- improved. He still does not rebound, which is frustrating. Um, but I mean, the last few games off the bench, it's been really good shooting percentage wise, doing some stuff, as you mentioned, inside the arc, use playing with force. Uh, they need it. I mean, they need if the Bulls moving forward, they need Pat to be something. They need him to be pretty Here, good. Here's my thing with the rebounding, though. How many times do you notice over the course of the game where you're like, damn it, Pat, you should have got that rebound? I feel like he's not really in rebounding position a lot because either he's guarding the best wing scorers and he's like, you know, out on the perimeter or he's like getting back on defense like i'd like to see him hit the offensive glass yeah because yeah. he should be really good on the offensive yeah. glass and you see it sometimes where he has like sick put back dunks it's like i'd love to see that a little more often uh that's how yeah, it, is too. it is tough like yeah. give me another give me like more emphasis on coaching but pat getting a little better yeah he's getting better for sure it's, it's coming along slow like, I don't know Very if he'll ever slow. be more than this, like, really solid 3 and D guy, which is, I mean, that's a nice player. He's going to have a long career. He's certainly not, a, I wouldn't, he's not a bust. Is he going to be, whatever, number four pick, like, up the expectations to what you were hoping for? I don't know. I mean, he's still so young. He has gotten better. It, the fact that Tyrese Halliburton is doing what he's doing, like, is tough. Uh, and I know, like, I remember when you, us, us talking about it, we you did not think Tyrese Halliburton would be this good, especially not this. No, fast. I was a big hater of him as yeah, a prospect. Yeah, so I remember long. that. And like, and he's awesome. Yeah. He's an all star already. And that's and like that. Looking back at stuff, I know C Red Fred made a joke. It was like we got rid of the the Iowa State like lovers in the front office a year too early. If they would have taken, they would have stayed and t- picked Halliburton instead. The Bulls would have their all star point guard. But yeah, Pat's getting better. It's been a slow process. Um, certainly been kind of frustrating at times and there's still times where he is frustrating to watch when he just like still does not play with the force, but we see it sometimes we saw it last night. Um, and the bulls need Patrick Williams to be good, because especially moving forward with Lonzo balls situation seems, I mean, at this point it is just about totally cooked. I mean, at this, you read stuff about now, this is, we mentioned it earlier. Woj reports this morning that it is looking like Lonzo is going to need another surgery. That'd be a third surgery on that left knee which means six months more minimum of rehab or uh, and recovery, which means, I mean, that's going into whatever next training camp already, considering where we are into next September. And that's just minimum given where w- what's happened. I mean, you can't expect anything at this point. At this point, <laughs> we have to expect the Lonzo balls not playing ever again. Uh, and we had people talking about like the bulls applying for like career ending, like, uh, relief on his contract because he still has two two years left at 20 million a year i mean just the wording from Woj in his report today let me go i got it pulled up right here is um he has been ruled out for the 20 season whatever undergone two surgeries the belief is that a third surgery is likely necessary to give the former number two overall traffic his best opportunity to play again i mean just like 
to ever play again. And at this point, it, it's not set in stone yet, but if, if this is being reported and leaked, it almost certainly is going to happen. I'd be shocked if they drop this leak and then it doesn't happen. He's meeting the Bulls and Clutch and Lonzo are working together and talking with all these doctors, and they've talked to all these doctors. Um, it seems like they're still going to maybe delay the decision a little more uh, before a final decision is made. But obviously that further than delays him, whatever, the rehab process. Uh, and this report then again says incremental progress in recent months, but can't run, cut, or jump without experiencing pain. It's just kind of been like the same thing this last whatever year or so since we first he first was making this recovery. So at this point, again, the Bulls have to operate like Lonzo Ball is never playing for them ever again. And it's it's just like super sad. Uh, I mean, and as you mentioned, like you just have to hope that his knees aren't like totally permanently just fucked for the rest of his life. We still don't know what's going on. There have been rumors of room of nerve damage. Um, just very strange. And I know, and I don't want to like get into too much, just like nasty speculation and stuff like that. Yeah, but you you just have to wonder what happened with that first surgery. I don't want I'm not gonna come on here and say the bulls botched that first surgery, but you have to wonder. It seemed like it was just a meniscus. There was also the bone bruise thing, but you have the first surgery. It was four to six weeks timeline after the meniscus surgery. And now we're looking at a situation where Lonzo is going to miss basically half a season and then a full season. And now who knows what moving forward after a third surgery, you just wonder what the hell happened here. If this is just like a super unique, just brutal, bad luck situation. What did the bulls know when they trip, when they went and acquired him? Uh, and it's just a brutal, and we've gone through this shit before with Derek Rose. It's just absolutely unbelievable. Every, apparently the good bulls point guards of the last 10 to 15 years just have devastating knee injuries that ruin the franchise. It's so frustrating. And, and it's just, and it's just sad for Lonzo ball who was, had come into his own as one of the better and more fun two way point guards in the NBA. And he means so much to the team, as we mentioned earlier, and as we've mentioned on this podcast so many times, um, it just uh, we just can't expect him back ever again. I don't think at this point. And if and if he does come back, he won't be himself. Almost certainly. I mean, definitely after all this time on three surgeries. So at this point, Lonzo Ball's a wash, and who who knows if he ever plays in the NBA again. We got to hammer the Bulls' medical team a little bit more than this, Jason. Come on, I tweeted this earlier. Today. <laughs> Go for it. Who knows how Lonzo Ball's career would have played out if he signed anywhere else in free agency? <laughs> but at this point. There are too many examples of the Bulls ruining guys' careers with injuries or their version of medical attention. The good thing Zach seems to be okay. (laughs) For it to always be a coincidence. Because, Jason, it's also happening with Javante Green, (laughs) who had – he got injured on December 2nd. He came back twice after sitting out, like, one game. And then – he had knee surgery in early January, and last we heard, he can't move laterally. He can't run either. He, yeah, he can't run either. He can't move laterally. So it's just like, what is going on? And then, of course, in the past, I believe the Bulls back in 2011 tried to play Omer Sheik on a broken leg. Do you remember this? I, oh, I sure do. This happened. Uh, we all know about the infamous Luol Deng spinal tap when Luol Deng was begging the Bulls not to kill him. Back in the day, uh, that was probably a few years after Sheik. And then even Joakim Noah, they just grinded his body into dust, basically. I mean, Derek, uh, too. Yeah. Derek, and Derek before, too. before his eight, torn ACL, he had injuries that entire 2011-2012 season. He would he'd get, he had, whatever, aches and pains, he would nicks. He would come back and play 40 minutes and play 40 minutes at his high-intensity style. It just 
it was like asking for him to tear an ACL. And obviously when he did, they were up whatever double digits in the last minute of a playoff game. And it was just like, it's just all of it. Some of that is obviously you can blame Tom Thibodeau for it, whatever, but they've just like never properly there's not never, but there've been so many situations where they've just mishandled injuries and it's, yeah, that's what I said. I don't, I don't want to speculate too much because we just like, don't know. We don't know exactly what's going on, but you just have to wonder what the fuck is happening here after what seemed like it should have just been a normal meniscus surgery. And even if the bone bruise complicated it, go ahead. I was texting with someone today who told me that a former free agent, the Bulls signed since we've both been covering the team, Jason, which will let you know, we've both been covering the team since about 2010, 2011. So in that time frame, a former free agent, the Bulls signed blames the Bulls for a botched back surgery that more or less sort of ended his career. And this player believes that, you know, the Bulls didn't give him the correct medical treatment. This was back, eh, I'm not going to say the exact year, but, uh, you know, it was in the time we've been covering the team. So this uh, this person also told me that agents warn their players if they're going to sign with the Bulls about the Bulls' sort of poor history of getting guys healthy, keeping guys healthy. And you just wonder, like, is there going to be another shoe to drop here? Because the Bulls have made some changes to their training staff. Has Brian Cole been the surgeon the entire time? Like, at this point, when guys get surgery, their their agents are involved. Like, it's not like they're just under the Bulls' supervision. But there's simply too many examples of these very weird injuries for it always to be a coincidence. Now, Lonzo was having knee surgery when I think he was 20 years old as a rookie with the Lakers. He's had problems. Injury problems. Lonzo's always had bad knees. You think back to the Pelicans giving him up so easily. Everyone was hailing the Bulls in that move. How did we trade yeah. Garrett Temple and Tomas Sedaransky for and like Lonzo a second round Ball. pick? What a win! Yeah. What a win for the Bulls. Well, obviously the Pelicans probably knew Lonzo's body wasn't going to hold up. Otherwise, why would they agree to that? Uh, so there's a lot of mystery with it. Maybe the Bulls are very unlucky. I just know that if the Bulls land the second pick in the draft and get Scoot Henderson or the third pick in the draft and get Amen Thompson, that those guys should do whatever they can do to surround themselves with the best care for their own bodies and prolonging their own careers. Because it would be very hard for me as a player to say the Chicago Bulls have my best interest in mind when it comes to protecting my body and ensuring the long-term health of my body. Uh, it's fucking pathetic. And then the other thing is like, it's just one of the many ways the Bulls are a bad organization. And they've always been a bad organization. And like, the only thing that ever saved them was hitting the lottery and getting D-Rose when they entered the lottery eighth back in the day with, what was it, a 1.1% chance or something? 1.7? 0.8% chance maybe. to get D-Rose. And uh, that was the last time they built a really good team. And maybe they would have had a good team last year, but Lonzo got hurt and we never really got to see what the team could do. So uh, it's a bad organization in a lot of ways. In one way, it's a bad organization in, in player development, in just general spending, and certainly in health and safety. The Bulls come up short there consistently year after year. And if they've just been unlucky for 10 years in a row, well, wow, would that be a very wild coincidence? But it's tapped in with two guys this year, with Javante and Lonzo. And you just wonder what the fuck is going on, Jason, because it's sad. 
it's sad as a basketball fan. I watched Lonzo Ball at the McDonald's All-American game as a high school player. I followed his high school career at Chino Hills. Watched him incessantly at UCLA. Followed the start of his career with the Lakers and under the Pelicans. And the game of basketball is missing something without Lonzo Ball in there. He was truly a phenomenal player. Very unique player. There was nobody who really played like Lonzo Ball. You can never give a guard a Lonzo Ball comp when they're coming into the draft, unless it's maybe Tyrese Halliburton, who was <laughs> able to do a pretty good Lonzo Ball impression. And it just feels like the game is losing one of its most fun players. And I don't know if I blame the Bulls, but I just want to because I'm <laughs> frustrated and pissed off. And it's just fucking happened too many times, dude. So yeah. I'm just fucking curious what they're going to say. Like if he does go undergo a third surgery, what they're going to say about it. Probably nothing. They've been quiet about it the whole time. And I know with injury stuff, a lot of teams, uh, they technically don't have to like be whatever that transparent about this stuff, but it like when you're getting to this point where it's a third surgery and maybe like two, two plus seasons raise out, uh, it would certainly be nice to know at least a little more about what has happened. And I, maybe they'll tell us, maybe it'll get reported. Maybe clutch will leak something. I guess if the bulls did botch it actually did botch something clutch would probably leak it, leak it and make sure that the bulls got fucking reamed for it. Maybe that happens. I don't know. Or maybe it just Lonzo's knees are just toast, which, again, would be super unlucky to a degree. I guess, again, what did the Bulls know when they got him? Did they know that this kind of risk was was just kind of baked in and they were hoping it just wouldn't blow up in their face? And so far, it unfortunately has. I don't know. Like So hopefully we find out at some point. Uh, and it's just, again, super unfortunate for him and his NBA future. And hopefully, again, that it's not going to be something that affects him for the rest of his life. So, yeah, it's about, uh, thank you for bringing up the Javante. The Javante thing is weird as well, too, because, uh, I think the bull said that he'd be evaluated in two weeks after the first, after the surgery happened. And then like, Woj was like, Oh, there's optimism that Javante is going to be back in a month or around a month. And now whatever we're at, I think we're at a couple months now and he's still, now he's going to be reevaluated in two more weeks and he still can't run. You'd have to think he's probably done for the season. So it is just like, what the hell is going on here, guys? Is Javante like, ever going to play again? <laughs> I would, and it's such unfortunate for him because he's always been he's on such agent. cheap, shut, yeah, free agent, cheap contract. He's signed for cheap deals, and he's proven himself in the, that he can be an NBA, a nice NBA energy guy off the bench. He started. He's admirably been in the starting lineup. So it's just really unfortunate for Javante as well. Um, it is kind of crazy that with all this stuff happening that Zach has stayed healthy. I mean, he missed a few of those back to backs to start, but uh, that he's come back and he's back to himself and just like his net hasn't missed any of their games is the, the bulls best three players. I mean, Zach, Demar, and Vooch have barely missed any time this season. Pat, I think has played at every game. Crusoe, we know has missed some time because he's just always going to miss time. But uh, the, the, the Lonzo and Javante things have just been super weird. And hopefully Javante thing doesn't ruin his career. Like it seems like the Lonzo thing is going to ruin his. So we'll see. Ricky, you got anything else? We could probably wrap it up here. I got nothing look, else. Look man. ahead. We could look ahead at the schedule here. Again, the Bulls, a uh, pretty light week for the Bulls. They played Sunday against the Pacers. They got a couple days off. They beat the Nuggets last night on a Wednesday. Now they have t- Thursday night off. We got Friday night off and they play Houston on set on Saturday. Um, and then I believe they have the Kings coming to the Nets. So they light the beam Sacramento Kings who are currently the number two seed in the Western conference at 38 and 26 tied with the Memphis Grizzlies. So that should be a fun game. The Kings have been really fun this season where I believe they might be the top offense in the NBA. Actually, I think even better than the nuggets top uh, so offense that, in NBA history. Yeah, I believe exactly. Yeah. So that should be a fun game. 
Uh, but that's not until Wednesday. So we got some really just spread out Bulls schedule going on right here. So that's just like nice for them in terms of getting some rest. Uh, again, at Houston Saturday, then they get three days off, Sunday off, Monday off, Tuesday off. They host the Kings on, on next Wednesday. Um, and then they got a doubleheader or a back-to-back home Timberwolves, home heat. So, again, the Bulls have an opportunity here to kind of get back in this thing with Houston and the stretch of home games. Again, the Kings will be tough. The Timberwolves have been pretty good. The Heat, the Bulls have beaten them a couple times. And the, the, all these games are, are in the United Center, those other three after the Houston. So, again, an opportunity where maybe if they play well, they can kind of get back into this thing. But you never know. We really can never know what to expect from this team. So, who knows? But that's the, that's the week ahead for the Bulls. We'll be back to talk about them again at some point, maybe after that Kings game. Um, and that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, a Shabbles podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. As we come down the stretch here of the NBA season, go check out all the other great NBA pods all across Blue Wire. And we got NFL free agency coming up. A lot of stuff happening in sports. NFL free agency. We got March Madness, the NCAA tournament coming up. We got obviously the conference tournaments going on right now. Um Maya line and I are going to play Penn State again, I think in like 10 minutes as we're recording right now on, on Thursday night. Hopefully they don't lose again. By the time you listen to this podcast, they probably will have lost a third time. Cross my fingers that's not, though. But a lot of stuff, ha- stuff happening in sports right now. So go check out all the great pods at Blue Wire. For us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us, our, give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. You can follow Ricky at SBN underscore Ricky. So that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations. Chicago Bulls podcast. Talk to you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.